Hey, let's do what we always do. I'm glad to be here. How about you? Come on, fired up for today. Hey, my name is Tony, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are thrilled that you've joined us. Real quickly, I just want to let you know that um, our team, uh, and, and you guys all know this, and so if you're new here, don't be weirded out by this, but uh, these guys up on stage who pull off an acoustic set like this, a lot more work goes into that than you think. So if you don't mind, can we just give that up for those guys for just doing a great job? I don't know if they're in the back somewhere or not, but I'm just so stinking proud of them. And uh, so just so you know, today, uh, a little bit different Sunday. we got a little bit of background going on. If you're free at 2.30, I just encourage you to get back here. The high school play is going on, and uh, I think it'd be a great, great thing to support our community in that way. But we are in the second week of a series called The Pursuit of Happiness. And we're having a whole lot of fun kind of working our way through the pursuit of happiness. We're using the book of Philippians as really kind of our book that we're going to spend, you know, the majority of this whole series in and through. And I'm just excited about it. The truth is, each and every one of us want to be happy. You know, you want to be happy. I want to be happy. According to Duck Dynasty, all, we all want to be happy, happy, happy. It's just kind of what's going on. And uh, unfortunately, though, what we all know is happiness is temporary, isn't it? I mean, happiness is just absolutely temporary. It comes and it goes, and just about as it comes, it leaves. If you have kids, you know this. My wife just this morning got a text message from her. Uh, she was at home at 6.30 and sent me a text message saying, all four of them are up. And I was like, oh, that's not good. Her happiness is bye-bye. You know, like the rest of the day is gone for her. But I love that happiness is temporary. It doesn't really last. And the truth is we looked at a point last week, and we kind of made it that happiness is really dependent on what happens to me. The happiness, dependent on what happens to me. It's kind of dependent on the circumstances that are around us. And the truth is why that is unfortunate is because we are rarely in control of the things that happen to us. Isn't that right? We're rarely in control. This kind of reminds me every time I talk about something like this of a few months ago, uh, our smoke alarms didn't really indicate that they needed a battery change in our house but they decided to let us know at three o'clock in the morning, all right? So all of our girls were in bed and, and uh, I wake up to this alarm that I'm pretty sure all of South 12th Avenue here in Washington could have heard. It was my house blaring, get up out of bed, beep, 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 you know, just going nuts. And I'm thinking there's a fire. I'm thinking there better be a fire, honestly. Like, don't you dare make me change the batteries at three. Like, I hope the house is burning down. It's so loud. And, and so I get out of bed, shoot out of bed, you know, I put on some shorts. I'm running around looking for smoke first. I'm going like, what's up? You know, is anything? And then I notice like, there's, it's the, all the dumb things are just flashing. They need their batteries changed and they're all wired up together. And so you can't just change one. You got to do them all. And it's just a nightmare. Well, after about a few minutes of trying to like finagle these things, which you got to be a rocket science, a right, rocket scientist to even take them off. You know, I, I just can't even understand. These should be dumb proof. Or maybe you're here and you're like, they are, Tone. They really, like, they're not that hard. But for me, they're hard. But after like five minutes, and I know five minutes doesn't seem like a long time to you. It felt like five hours when you're trying to keep your kids asleep. I just go, forget it. You know, just, and I start ripping them off the ceiling. True story. I just, I'm like, Carrie, I don't know which one's it. Like, I don't know which one has the chain reaction. And I just, eventually, six smoke alarms later in a basket, I finally get to one, rip it off, and it's quiet. And I'm like, you know, I like, cannot even believe we've just survived. And I'm telling you what, at that moment, my happiness was not there. I did not have any joy in my life, any happiness. And it made me wonder about joy, though. Because Paul, in the book of Philippians, in the theme verse of it, he talks about being joyful always. 
Uh, the truth is, he says, I'll just pull it up for you, the theme verse of the book, he says, be joyful always, always be full of joy. And I just, I, I kind of read that verse and had that verse come to my mind, and I just wonder, is it even possible? I mean, Paul, do you have kids? Do you even know what that's like? Do you, do you have a house with smoke alarms? Do they ever go off in the middle of the night at your place? And I just go, are you kidding me? And the truth is, he wouldn't have wrote it if he was. He was being dead honest. He was going, happiness is not something that you aspire to. That can come anytime you want. Joy is something that you got to have. You got to have this thing be the driver of your life. We kind of camped on these two thoughts last week. The two thoughts were happiness is dependent on what happens to me. And we all get this. You get happy when great things happen to you, but joy is different. We said joy is actually dependent on what's in me. It's on the inside that counts if you want to have joy. And so we jump-started the series talking about what it looks like to have joy in your life. And we used joy as an acronym, J-O-Y, and we said Jesus is the J. We said you got to have Jesus if you want to have joy in your life. He is absolutely the most critical position of this stuff called joy. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have joy. I mean, they are hand in hand. If you have him, you have life, the Bible would say. If you don't have him, you don't have life. And joy comes from knowing Jesus. So friends, I'll just pause and go, what have you done with Jesus? I mean, does he have kind of center place of your life? Does he have who you are? Have you made him, we call it the Lord and Savior, step over the faith line, move your trust from yourself, and all the things that you can do, kind of Iowa's pull up your own bootstraps, work harder to you going, it's not on me. It's always been on what Jesus has done for me. Do you have Jesus in your life? The O stood for others, the other people in your life. Do you have people in your life that, that spur you on, root you on, help you kind of go in the direction towards Jesus? I mean, are those people present in your life? And do you tell them thanks? Do you pray for them? Are those people encouraged by what you say and are you encouraged by what they say? And we said, man, if you want joy, you gotta have Jesus, you gotta have others. And then we said, you gotta know that you actually matter to God. That was the why. That you actually do matter to God. Your development, what you're doing, the next steps that you're taking towards Jesus actually matter. He loves you so much that he's willing to take you right where you are, but he loves you too much to just let you stand there. And so what's happening in your life as you're growing, as you're moving closer to Jesus, ask anybody who's taken steps in their faith towards Christ, they would all tell you, joy's joy's right there. As you move closer to Jesus, despite the circumstances in your life, you just go, oh man, I'm growing. I, I have forward motion in my life, in my relationship with Jesus, I have joy that comes with me. This reminds me of a conversation uh, that I had a few times with a couple in our life group, Carrie and I's life group. We just got done with a season of life groups here at City Point, and their name were Chelsea and Rob. They have a couple kids, and I just asked her this week if she would send me back a message kind of describing, you know, what's been happening in her life, and I just want to read you off what she wrote back to me. It was incredible to see and to hear from her What's been going on inside of her as they've kind of made steps towards Christ? Listen to what she said. She said, we started coming to City Point just recently because of our daughter. Isn't that great? She said, our daughter spurred us on. 
And a lot of us maybe have stories like that. My, my son or my daughter were curious, and, and they said, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, can we go check it out? And, and it was just incredible. She said, but we started coming because of our daughter, Maya. She wanted to go to church. So we chose City Point because we knew some people who were there, and also we kept getting things in the mail from them. And I was like, oh, sorry. You know, like, we just kept on sending flyers. But I want you to catch this. They knew somebody. Do you know that somebody knows you? and potentially are just waiting for an invitation from you to come and check out God, check out church in a place where they're welcome, where they might experience this phrase, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, you're welcome here. That was her story. I was just waiting for somebody I knew to take a shot. You know, God had been working in her daughter to kind of spur him on, and then she decided to come. She says, to be honest, we thought this was going to be a phase that would eventually dwindle out, but it hasn't. She thought, for sure, I mean, we're going to go check this out, we're going to get our fix, and then we'll be done. But then she goes on to write, we've found a home here, a place where we're excited to come to every week. Shortly after we started at City Point, life groups were offered, and I definitely wanted to give them a shot. We loved our life group. It was a perfect place, and catch this, to learn about ourselves, to grow a better relationship with God, and to meet some pretty hilarious people. And I was like, oh, great, was that at me? You know, like, like some pretty goofy people. And I just, it just dawned on me. She wanted to grow closer to Jesus. She did that. She surrounded herself with some great people. And she learned that God wanted to do some things in her. It was incredible. God has been doing great things in our lives, she writes. He has opened our hearts to a world that I never knew existed. And I believe that having God in our life, moving us forward, things can only get better. God's changing the way we act. And he's changing the way we think for the better, for the better. And I'm excited to continue this progress, that, excited to see the continued progress that he's going to make in us. It's amazing knowing that he'll never give up. We're also so thankful that the kids here at City Point have kids point in their lives. It's hard to say how it's affecting them right now, but we believe it will impact their future. And I just go right on. If you were to meet this couple, and you'll meet them sometime out in the lobby, I'm sure, but I'm telling you what, they would tell you, and you would see it on the, just a joy that's increasing. They didn't have it a while ago, but now they're finding this joy in Christ and Jesus and others and seeing themselves move to- closer to God. And so this week, what I want to do is I want to share with you three, three more things. Three more things that I've been praying for you all week long. Three things that I think, again, you got to have if you want more than just happiness. I mean, happiness is great, but it, it goes away. But more than happiness, joy. If you want these things, and I'm just telling you what, I've been praying for you, and I've just been asking God would use this sort of message to increase in you a level of joy that you've maybe never experienced before. But three kind of ingredients to have joy. If you're taking notes, you can jot it down on your, uh, on your program here. The first ingredient to having sustaining joy is to be in the Lord. It's to be in the Lord. Kind of like last week, you gotta get to know Jesus. The, the verse that I showed you already was Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, always be full of joy. But key phrase here, always be full of joy in the Lord. Being full of joy, I mean, how? Well, Paul would say, you gotta make sure you don't miss the last part of this sentence. You gotta be full of joy, but it comes through being in the Lord. Friends, joy doesn't come from a new house. Why? Because a new house has smoke alarms that'll wake you up at three in the morning. I mean, it's just crazy. Joy doesn't come just from a new car. 
A new car sounds great, doesn't it? But it rusts out just as quick as your old one. Joy doesn't come solely from a new job or a new relationship. Joy comes, Paul would say, be full of joy always. But you're going to get it when it comes to you, and it comes in the Lord. It comes with what you do with Jesus. Now, Paul would have used this language here to describe his relationship with Jesus. And catch that I didn't say his religion. Because religion never produces joy. It might produce well-dressed people, pretty, you know, tie wear, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm religious, I show up and I say the right things. But it doesn't produce joy. A relationship with Jesus produces joy. Friends, I'm telling you what, Paul would have had a dialed-in relationship with Jesus. And that would have given him joy. It would have been the very thing that would have helped him kind of remove himself from his circumstance. And just so you know, he was in the middle of a prison cell in Rome when he wrote that very verse. So his situation wasn't all that good. But he had a joy because he had Jesus. Listen to what he goes on to say in chapter 1, verse 21. He says, for me, living means living for Jesus. Living for Christ. Basically what he's saying I'm fully alive when I'm all in with Jesus. That is, is he said, I'm, I'm never feel more full alive than when I'm living for Jesus. And then he kind of ups the ante. I've never heard somebody say this except for in the Bible. He says, and dying is even better. This is a shocking statement. I mean, people who are all in with Jesus can, can say things like this. Hey, living, I mean, I'm fully living when I'm with Jesus. I love that. When, when he is, you know, number one in my life, when, when I've given him everything, I really feel like I'm all alive is what Paul's saying. But then he goes on to say, but if I die, great. And he's saying this because he's in prison. I mean, he's just been beaten up, thrown in a prison cell. So if I die, that's even better. I get to be face to face with Jesus. See, he found his joy, and I need you to get this. He found his joy not in his circumstance but in his relationship with Jesus, and that was huge. It was absolutely huge for him. He's thinking, man, I have a win-win situation because if I live, I get to tell more people about Jesus. If I die, I get to go meet Jesus, and that produced in him a confidence of joy. So big question here, gang, is are you truly with Jesus, or are you just in church? kind of a sobering statement. And just so you know, there's no shame in checking out church. I mean, we built this church on the kind of the belief that it's okay to come and check things out. And so you are more than welcome. But for those of you who've been for a while and you've kind of heard me share, I mean, I just want to ask you this honest question. Me as, honestly, as a pastor, as a friend, as somebody who really does love you, are you in Christ or are you simply in church? No shame in being in church. But don't be confused about your joy because there's a direct link between being in Christ and the joy that you can experience. Friends, people who are in Christ get joy because they have a God in their life who sustains them, fills them up, gives them the grace, forgiveness, hope, and peace that you can't find anywhere else. So are you in Christ? I think car people get this. I think they get this idea a little bit more of being into something. Sam, our campus pastor, 
is in the cars. Uh, not so much like working on them and like, you know, changing parts and stuff, but he's into like reading about cars, watches car shows, and I'm like, I don't even know where you watch car shows, you know, like, what do you do? All I know is PBS and HGTV, you know, things that you get to experience prior to being, you know, with kids and stuff, but he's into cars. He loves buying cars, trading cars, you know, thinking of different ideas, loves seeing the new makes and models. I mean, Sam, is into cars so much so the other day he kind of comes into our office and he goes, Tony, I got a great idea. I'm like, what? He goes, I just saw this picture online from a friend of mine. Check this out. He's like, it's a conversion van stripped out, turned into like a camper. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm thinking about buying a 12-passenger van, stripping all the seats out, putting a bed in it, and me and Naomi going and hanging out. I'm like, enough. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Like, what. But he's like, I, I just love the idea of going around, you know, cruising. I'm just thinking, people who don't have kids can think about stuff like that. But all that to say, I wouldn't dream of doing something like that. Why? Because I'm not into cars. I mean, he's into these ideas, this fun stuff. I love that about him. But I'm not into cars. The truth is I drive one, but I don't know about the newest makes or models like Sam does. The same's true for us. You might be here. You might have been here for a while checking things out, and I just don't want you to ever get confused. And this is, I mean, I walk a tight line on this one where you're going, yeah, I'm in church, so I should have all the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus without even knowing him personally. And I go, you don't get those unless you are in Christ. If you have a relationship with Jesus. And so let me just ask again. Are you in church or are you in Christ? No shame in being in church. Love that you're here would just tell you, you've got to keep showing up. We really do believe it's okay to belong even before you believe. But it's a good question for us to wrestle with every once in a while. It was my joy, solely in Christ. Paul would say, my joy is solely in Christ. And you want to know what that means? It means always be full of joy, despite even your circumstance. Paul was in prison, and he would say, be full of joy. And so to us, he might say, yep, be full of joy, even in your financial mess. Be full of joy. He might go on to say, yep, be full of joy even in your rocky marriage right now. Be full of joy. Be full of joy even with your wayward child, with the, with the kid who's making decisions that are off. You hold on to joy because you have Jesus. You hold on to joy even despite your prison cell. Paul was speaking that language. After being beaten, put in chains, Locked up in a prison cell, he said, always be full of joy. Friends, the first ingredient, the thing I'm praying for each and every one of us is if you're here and you feel like, man, life right now, it's not happy. Life right now, quite honestly, feels like I'm in the middle of a prison cell. Locked up. Maybe it's to an addiction. Maybe it's to a situation in life where you just go, this just stinks that you would lean in and hear Paul's encouragement to you, saying always, you can be full of joy, but it comes when you are in the Lord, when you have a relationship with Jesus. And so do you have that today? The second thing I'd encourage you to write down, the second ingredient to being full of joy in your life is to have partners in Christ, to have partners in Christ. Let me explain a little bit about this with what Paul said at verses four and five of chapter one. He says, whenever I pray, 
He says, I, I pray for you with joy. I mean, he, he talks again about joy in his life. He goes, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been, catch this, you have been my partners. Love that. He's writing to a group of people that are his partners. He's not alone. He's going, for you've been my partners. But what have they been partners in? They've been partners in spreading the good news about Jesus, in pointing people towards Jesus from the time you first heard until now. He says, whether I'm in chains or defending the gospel, all of you share in this with me. In other words, he's saying, I might be alone right now, but I'm not alone. I might be locked up by myself right now, but I have partners in Christ. I mean, this was a big, big deal for Paul. The truth is for me, the number one source of joy in my life, hands down, is Jesus. And I cannot overemphasize that. I mean, he is by far the source of all my joy, all my talent, if I even have any talent, gifts, if I even have any, wisdom, same thing, or insight, it's all from God. Those who know, those who know me really, you know, in depth would go, yep, I mean, this guy's pretty, you know, low on the totem pole. Anything good in my life has been from Jesus, hands down. But I'm telling you what Paul would have said, that having Jesus is everything. But when you are partnered with people, who are like-minded, who are spurring you on towards reaching other people for Christ, joy just comes hand in hand. So do you have partners in Christ? Are there people that you're connected with that point towards Jesus with you, that are going with you? The truth is, every Tuesday morning, I honestly feel like I'm one of the luckiest bosses in the world. Our staff gathers up, uh, Ryan, Sam, and sometimes Jordan, they gather up for a 12-week meeting. Now, you might go, what is that even that about? Well, the truth is, we look ahead 12 weeks in advance from this Sunday. So right now, we're planning what's going to happen in the middle of July, and we just kind of take what we do here at a really, we kind of really believe that it should be done at a great level, and that means that a lot of prayer, planning, and strategy goes into what we do. So we knew about the play, all this stuff, I tell you all that because if I had to do all this by myself, I'd be toast. I mean, if I was, if I was flying solo and I didn't have partners in Christ with me, I'd be absolutely toast. I need people in my life who come alongside and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's strategize. Let's think and pray and plan together and move this thing forward. Paul had partners in Christ. Jesus had partners. It was huge for them. Just last week, in all transparency, I felt like I laid an absolute egg here. Just did. I felt like it was the start of a new series, and I just, I was like, oh, it was just too heavy, and it wasn't any good, so I'm just surprised any of you showed back up, and I'm just grateful for that. But I remember after first service, firing a text message off to, to my boss. He's, he's one of the elders, is what you call him, but really he's just kind of my boss. He's the one who can fire me, you know, so send him an email if you don't like me, marty at thebridgechurch.cc. There you go. And, uh, but I fired him a message after the first service because I was feeling pretty low. Just doesn't happen all the time, but I, mean, I was like, oh, man, what a pathetic job. And I just told him, I said, hey, I am sorry. I feel like I just did a pretty cruddy job, and I'm just tired, and I'm sorry it wasn't my best. I want to show you the text message he sent back. He said this back to me. He says, hey, Tony, our best is our best, but our crappy can be used for God's glory. He said, all's not lost, so be encouraged, and let's get you some rest. Friends, when I got that message back in between these two services, 
it was like a weight had been taken off my shoulders. And it might not seem like a big deal to you. But having a partner in Christ, somebody that can root me on even when I'm feeling discouraged, is so, so good for me. Jesus had partners. Paul had partners, like I said. Partners produce a depth of joy that you do not get if you're flying solo. God would say, you're not designed to do it alone. I want you to have partners in Christ with you. And so I just want to make a quick plug for this. Some of you are going, but how do you even get them? I'd say, get involved in a life group. That was Chelsea and Rob's story. They got involved, and they're plugged in. They know some names, and it's been so good for them. For others of you, you might go, I need something quicker. You know, the next life group's not till you know, late summer. I'd say, on the back of your connector card, there's a spot where you can mark serving. And you might go, oh, great. You just want me to serve. You just want me to do it. And I go, whoa, it's less what I want from you, more what I want for you. Because I actually think if you partner up with some people who have a clear purpose to go in one direction, I'm telling you what, joy comes shortly after. And so if maybe you're here and you go, I don't have any partners. I don't have anybody in my life who's rooting me on. I'd go, just take a shot. Would you just use the church? I mean, just use us. And just go, I'm looking for some ways to connect with people. And I just mark serving and we'll hook you up. It's like instant friends, great people. And then you can help move this thing forward with us. First ingredient, friends, hands down, is got to be in the Lord. Second ingredient to having joy is having partners in Christ. Third ingredient, if you want to still take some notes, is to have a clear purpose. Is to have a clear purpose. If I were to ask you this morning what your purpose was, I have a hunch that I might get some blank stares. Because it's not often that we think about our purpose. I mean, how often do you wake up in the morning and go, hey, what, I mean, what am I living for today? But the truth is, Paul, this guy who was writing, had a crystal clear purpose and it was his purpose in life that helped fuel this joy. It helped him stay dialed in on what was important. I love this. I, again, you listen to what he says in, in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 1. He says, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. What he's saying is, you want to know what has happened to me? Is it's helped me to live out my God-given purpose, which was for Paul, was to point people towards Jesus. So he's going, hey, I need you all to know that my purpose is being lived out even in a prison cell. He's going, everything that's happened here has actually helped me spread, point people towards Jesus. For everyone here, he says, including the palace guards, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. He's going, everybody knows that I'm here because of Jesus. He says, it's actually working out to my favor. He said, I have joy because I, my purpose is being lived out even in my prison. There's a key thing that we're going to teach on in just a second here. But he goes on to say, what does it even matter in verse 18? He goes, what does it even matter that I'm in prison? He goes, I could care less if I'm in prison. He said, God's moving this thing forward despite my circumstance. He says, the important thing is that in every way, Jesus is preached. The important thing is that Jesus is told to other people, that found people go out and find people is what he's saying. And because of this, I'm joyful. I rejoice, he says. And I continue to rejoice. You see, Paul's in prison, but he's still joyful. How? How can you be joyful in the midst of your prison, whatever it is? 
Well, you can be joyful if you know your purpose and your purpose is being lived out. So again, I want to ask you, what's your purpose? Paul was crystal clear. Middle of a prison cell, he, he can see actually how him being there is changing the lives of the soldiers that were kind of keeping him there. He can see how it's changing Caesar's family. Kind of look back in history and you'll see that Rome would eventually become the epicenter of Christianity. I mean, it would all spur from Rome. It was because this guy named Paul got locked up in a prison cell, starts telling people about Jesus, their lives start to change. Even the highest of the highest guards, Roman soldiers, and even Caesar's family start to know Christ, and it changes the course of history. So just so you know, your prison cell might just be the very place that God wants to use you. Your marriage might be the very place where God wants to use you. Your job yeah, I know. I know your job stinks. I know your boss stinks. And I'm a terrible boss is what I'm learning. I know your, of course your boss stinks. Every boss stinks. But could it be that God has placed you in your prison to live out your purpose? And friends, to be real clear, our purpose, I'll put it on the screen, our primary person, purpose is to point as many people towards Jesus as possible. That's just what God has created us to do. There's no plan B on this one. He didn't say, well, plan B, I'll take care of it this way. No, he goes, I want you and I want me. I want us to go and move this thing forward because nobody's better positioned to point the people in your circle of influence than you. Nobody's better positioned to reach the doctor in your office, to reach the coworker in your school, to reach the kid at your, in your class. Nobody's better positioned to reach the mom down the street than a mom who's living with a clear purpose. I'm telling you what, God has a purpose for you and he can live or he can use you even in your purpose through your prison cell, whatever it might be. Now, others of you might go, I don't feel like I'm in a prison right now. Well, just wait. Happiness will go and you'll start to feel like he will be. But the truth is, what I want to just make sure is so clear is that the best place to fulfill your purpose is right where you are. And it doesn't have to be pretty. You don't have to wait till you know enough. You don't have to wait until you can, you know, spit off all the verses in the Bible. You don't have to wait until you, you have your life all cleaned up before you can be used by God. And I'm telling you why this is so important. Why it's so important is because you find joy. You'll find joy when you have a relationship with Jesus when you partner up with others who are dialed in on the same thing, and when you decide to get crystal clear on making sure that the people in your life are pointed towards Jesus, your joy will come when you use those three ingredients in your life. It's happened for me. It happens every single time I see God you know, use my life to help point somebody to Christ. I mean, joy I just is the best feeling in the whole world. So if I can, I just want to give you two challenges this morning, two invitations to kind of live this out. The first challenge is to start praying for people by name. Would you start praying? Who are the people in your life? It might be your neighbor. It might be your classmate. It might be your spouse. It might be your son or your daughter. But just start praying by name. It might be the grocery store worker. It might be the donut shop lady or the Casey's employee. I mean, those are the three on my list, just to be really honest. 
But who are the people that you're praying for? Who are they? And would you just start praying that God would position you to come alongside them and to point them towards Jesus? I'm telling you what, you will never find more joy than praying for somebody. And then number two, the second encouragement for you is to just be willing to take a risk. Take a risk. If I can be really honest, it's exactly the story of me and my brother's life. Somebody took a risk on us. We were, Ryan was in junior high, I was in high school. My parents moved across town and we end up, you know, this is total God. We end up moving across the street from a family who had boys the exact same age as us and they were tough hockey players. I was a total wimpy. I mean, look, I got chicken wings and I was a basketball guy. But these were guys that were just awesome. And they knew who they were in Christ. And they were confident about it. And you want to know what they did? They took a risk. They told us about their faith in God. And it forever has changed our life. Forever has changed me and my brother's life. Because somebody started praying and somebody took a risk. And so I might just want to ask you right now, who are the people that God would ask you to start praying for and would you start looking for opportunities to take a risk? Friends, just so you know, it doesn't have to be crazy. I mean, a low risk for you might simply be to share something online. Might be to share a post that we put up inviting people to church and you just kind of share it to your wall. A, a medium risk might be to text somebody to come with you. Hey, would you come sit with me? Or hey, I'd love to take you out to coffee and have a conversation with you. But I'm telling you what, the, the, the big risk that brings the big rewards is when you actually lock eyes with somebody. And you tell them there'd be no, nothing better for them to experience what God has done in your life and you share with them your story, and potentially if they'd be willing, you ask them to maybe come with you on a Sunday, or you tell them about Jesus yourself. And I'm telling you what, it's enormous what God can do. This is the very story that a, that a family, a husband named Lee and his wife Sarah experienced. Uh, they're at one of our partner churches in South Carolina called New Spring Church, and their story was recorded. And their story was one in which they were living in a prison. Their marriage was a prison. They'll, they'll tell you about it on the video. But it was through an invitation. It was through people praying for them and them taking a shot, you know, being willing to take a risk that God started to move in their lives. And I'm praying that maybe for some of you today, that might be your story too. Check the video out and then I'll wrap it up. I met Lee when I was 15. We dated for two years in high school and we were completely inseparable. She was probably the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. And regretfully, I broke up with him after those two years because my mom felt like it was the right thing to do to prepare me to go to college. After the breakup, I was devastated, crushed. I ended up joining the United States Marine Corps. I did two tours overseas. During that first deployment, Sarah and I started exchanging letters. I actually got the first letter from her. During the second deployment, we ended up reconnecting and got back together. We got engaged in 2007 and married in 2008. After Lee and I got married, we had plans to live happily ever after. And after two years um, of fighting and hurt and pain, it was just a, a cycle of abuse. Um, we manipulated each other. We were completely selfish and only concerned about our own sinful needs. It was definitely not what I thought it was going to be. I ended up turning to alcohol. I drank and I drank a lot. I thought it was going to numb the pain. 
parents divorced when I was in the first grade, and I just assumed that Lee and I would get divorced too. It was all I knew. And so after two years of fighting, Lee walked in one morning and he told me that he wanted a divorce. I took off my wedding band, laid it on the counter, and came to grips at the fact our marriage was over. At that point, I felt hopeless. I'm a South Carolina state trooper. I started to work overtime at New Spring, Columbia to be able to afford the money for the divorce. One day while doing traffic, working traffic outside the church, I heard a familiar song that I've recognized from the radio. Came into church to investigate, saw Alden Ellis, a campus pastor, and I recognized him from high school. Went up and shook his hand. He invited me uh, to come and sit in church while working. After attending a couple services at New Spring, I started to feel hope that maybe my marriage wasn't dead, that maybe if I could get my wife to go, it would somehow be salvaged. He invited me to come with him several times, but I just didn't think it was worth going. One day while Lee was working overtime at New Spring, Columbia, he persuaded a volunteer to come home with him and basically challenged me to go to church. And so I went to a service that evening with, with Lee and I can't put into words what happened that evening. I walked away feeling like there was hope. It was still rocky and it was still hard, but I just thought that maybe if we would attend a real marriage conference that was set up by New Spring, that would be what pushed us over the top. Everything changed for us on Easter Sunday, 2012. We were fighting all morning, which was still pretty typical of us. And Perry did a message on how proximity to Jesus did not equal a relationship. At that time, I knew that Perry was talking to me. And at that moment, I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my life. And all the time, I was holding Lee's hand, but never indicating to him that I was praying that prayer. Perry then asked everyone who had asked Jesus into their life to come up to the front of the auditorium. And I stood up and I looked beside me and I saw Lee stand up, which I thought was to let me out of the aisle. It wasn't until he started walking towards the front of the auditorium that I realized that he had also said that same prayer that I did. I turned, walked down the aisle, got a couple steps, just looked and realized, wow, my wife is behind me. I, I turned around to look at my wife and she was there right behind me. At that moment, I knew that God had brought us through such dark times to work in our hearts. I am now married to my best friend, somebody that when we accepted Jesus into our life, we became new people, and our marriage was absolutely brand new. I've learned how great God's grace really is. Even through the bad times, He's been there walking beside us the whole way. Friends, three things that I'm praying for you, praying for me, that would fill us up with joy is that we would be in the Lord. Maybe again, for you today, you're going, that's the first time I've really ever thought about that. Is am I really in with Jesus? I mean, is he really the savior of my life? Have I given him first place in my life? Have I stepped over the faith line and put my trust in him rather than myself? Have you done that? 
That's where joy starts. It starts when you and Jesus are together and when you understand that he has grace and love and forgiveness and hope and peace and joy for your life. And yet maybe some of you are here today and you go, I'm starving for partners. I'm starving for some people to come alongside of me and us to do this thing together. And I just go, again, not a plug for anything other than going, if you'd like to really get serious about that, I would just love it if you took a shot on us. And just say, hey, church, would you help me out? I want to get involved in serving. Just let us know. We'll reach out to you. And we'll get you plugged in in an environment where you can thrive, where you can meet some people that are just great. And then maybe lastly, for you, you've done life for far too long without a purpose. And you thought for this long, you're like, I thought my purpose was just to show up to a job I didn't like, you know, to be involved in a family that I enjoy, and I just to sleep, make money, wake up, do it again. And the truth is, you are designed for way more than that. God has wired you, gifted you, and blessed you with talents, abilities, and just the, the capacity to reach out and to point others towards him. Friends, we are never more fully alive than when Jesus is everything for us, when we have others in our lives, and when we decide, you know what, God, I want to use my God-given purpose to reach people for Jesus. And again, I just wonder if you have that. Because I want to pray for you right now, because some of you, are in a spot where you're going, I, I know this is what I need. I need faith, God, to trust what you say. God, I need you to become great in my life. And so if that's you today, I just would love to pray this over you. God, here we are, a whole group of us, all desperately wanting to have sustaining joy in our lives. Happiness is just not good enough. It goes too quickly. God, we want something to carry us through our life, and it's a joy found in you. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and hope in Jesus, maybe today's your day, and you could pray a prayer like this. God, here I am, junk and all. I've tried for far too long to do it on my own, but God, today, I've heard and I've decided I need my faith and my joy to be found in you. God, would you take me? Would you forgive me of my sins? and make me clean. God, today, I want to step over the faith line and give my life to you. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, I believe God does something in each and every one of us. Starts this joy in us that moves on. And I think as we do that, as we increase our faith, God continues to bless us. So would you stand and sing this closer with us?